Hi, hey everybody. Welcome to the Resilient Christian Podcast. I'm Aaron, your host, and so glad to have you with us today. We are really living in a pandemic of loneliness and depression and anxiety, and it's changing how we understand discipleship today. Uh, in fact, according to uh, Cigna, uh, the health uh, provider, 61% of people are lonely in America. And the reasons they cited are a lack of social support, uh, negative feelings about themselves and relationships, lack of balance in work and life, uh, poor physical and mental health. And they found that younger generations are more lonely and that men, in fact, find themselves more lonely. And so on this episode of the Resilient Christian Podcast, I'm interviewing my friend and someone who, who worships with me at Friends Church. He's a marriage and family therapist, Brandon Chaffee, about loneliness, addiction, and anxiety. And by the end of this episode, uh, I hope you walk away with some practical steps of how to understand and develop healthier relationships and understand your inner life so that we as um, Christians can you know, live out what Paul said in Ephesians 3, that we can grasp how high and wide and deep is the love of Christ and to show that love to other people. One of our hopes here on the show and in our church is that people would have deeper discipleship. And for me, what that means is holistic Christian maturity, which I firmly believe that mental and emotional health contribute to having the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as Paul talks about in Galatians 5. And so I want to welcome Brandon. So glad to have you with us today. Um, Grateful for you. I know you've had a busy day, so thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, it's, it's really cool to be here. I was telling you earlier, it's epic to me that I'm speaking with you tonight and earlier this morning, speaking with Servite, a, a Catholic Christian school, mm-hmm. and, you know, that our community is just diving into recognizing how important mental health is, mm. is my dream. That's awesome. That will, so tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, um, what you're, how long you've been practicing yeah. therapy, a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I'm an LCSW actually, um, not an MFT. I own a center. It's called Inspired Resolutions. And while we work with anybody and everybody, well, anybody who's appropriate for outpatient type care, um, everybody who works for me is really good at working with families who are have teens mm. and uh, teens, 20 somethings, and then right before the teens. So We've kind of made it our mission to help that part of the community. Um, I started this center. It's been five years now. I've been, I used to be a, uh, it's called a KDEC. So I started, when I first got my psychology degree, I started doing uh, work in rehab and addiction work first. So everything that I've kind of created to make us, we are as at Inspired Resolutions comes from its roots in treating addiction work. And I was, I did that, that, that's been 20, 21 or so years now. Um, So it's been a while. Um, When it comes to addiction work, was that with alcohol, drugs, all of the above? All all the above. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I, you know, God's, plan to have me kind of root myself in that before I got my secondary degree and then went on into um, this world of therapy was so now looking back was just such a design Mm. because you know when you're talking about depression and you're talking about loneliness when you're talking about a lot of things that we're struggling with today um, you can see the patterns and cycles in the addiction world and so it's kind of phenomenal it's kind of an interesting 
Um, and, and I've actually based a lot of what we do on working with addiction. So, um, so kind of jumping into it, um, Brandon, how can being emotionally healthy and aware, uh, make someone a more resilient Christ follower? What does that look like? You know, our hope is to strengthen Christians. And what does that mean for being some, someone who's emotionally healthy? Yeah. When you, when you sent me this question, man, I loved your questions and they, they made me really kind of sit down and dive in and think about it. And, um, I, I came up with four different points mm. and the first is we, we've got to recognize that the enemy is attacking us through our vulnerabilities, our pride, um, our denials and justifications through our fears, uh, through our desires. And this fits with the whole, um, addiction piece through our uh, desire for instant gratification. And it's kind of funny because all mental health issues kind of highlight and perpetuate these vulnerabilities in us. Okay. And so um, when you work on your emotional health, right. And when you think about being a resilient Christ follower, it's, you're working on all of that stuff mm. and all of that stuff is what gets in the way of our spirituality. And then our spirituality gets in the way of our being resilient to mental health issues. And while we can't say, Hey, if you, you know, just read the Bible, you will overcome mental health. The answers are within there. Mm. And so the, the first point is just, um, if I am working on my emotional health, I don't like to say, hey, I'm emotionally healthy, mm. right? That, that range kind of confuses people. And then we try to hit a mark. But if I'm willing to work and pour into my emotional health alongside my spiritual health, man, they feed each other. And we do become very resilient in both areas. Wow. I love the distinction between emotionally healthy or gr- working on emotional health. What, how, what's the phrase you like to embrace more? Um. I am working on, I'm building mm. my emotional health. That's good. That's really, it's more black, less black and white, right? It's less black and white. It's less burdensome and it's more realistic to be honest. Yeah. Um, any, if you're, you, you mentioned that you run. And so if you run a race, there's a definitive finish line and you mm. can work towards and run towards that finish line. But with, with being emotionally stable or emotionally healthy, um, the goal can't be I'm trying to get to some finish line because then you give up because you're never going to get there. It's kind of like your spiritual mm. growth, mm. right? I'm never going to finish my spiritual growth. Yeah. I'm never going to finish growing in my emotional health. But if I have the idea that I'm going to pour into it, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to take it one day at a time and any setbacks aren't the end of the world because I'm going to try again. It becomes that um, consistent piece of our life that it's okay if I'm here today Mm. because all I'm trying to do is grow. I love that because it's like what Paul said. He said, you know, he didn't want to basically be content in his spiritual life. He said, press on towards the goal. And um, that seems very similar to mental health as well. But that's a really good first point on what makes a resilient Christian. If they grow, if they're growing in being more emotionally healthy it can strengthen um, the vulnerabilities. Is that kind of that the right word? It, yeah, I, I think it um, it's what 
helps us navigate through our vulnerabilities and not fall victim to our vulnerabilities. Because that's the vulnerabilities. uh, That's that's how the enemy gets a hold of us. And so if I can, my vulnerabilities aren't going to go away, Hmm. but I can kind of come to a peace about them. And and we'll talk later about it, but I I don't have to do it alone. Yeah. And and you. You would say that all of us have different vulnerabilities or because when I hear that word, I no. think of are there are there unique are the unique ones to my story well, or are they all yeah, kind of general like I open? Think, I think the context and the, um, I guess, gravity of different vulnerabilities. But like I said earlier, I think the ones that really kind of apply to our mental health are, are it sounds wild, but our pride for some yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, it can be the denials and the justifications. It's the, the traumas that we've gone through. It's our fears. That's a big one. Yeah. Right. A lot of mental health um, either ends up or begins because of fears. Uh, and then the instant gratification. We all have some modicum of, I want instant gratification. Some need it more than others and some have worked on it. And but so I, but I think that, we are all dealing with the same vulnerabilities just to different extents and in yeah. different contexts. Yeah. Those four are so powerful. Instant gratification, pride. Uh, you said a couple other ones. I, I was just like, and denials. Denials. Isn't and, it lying to ourselves? And, fe- and then fear and fear. And I think yeah. I love what first John says is, you know, perfect love casts out fear. And so uh, an old pastor friend of mine in my twenties used to say that fear was such a foundational issue when it came to mental, emotional health. And that, that's what kind of you're saying too. Yeah. And you know, what's wild is it's, it's not always that we start there and those lead to mental health issues. Sometimes the mental health issues lead to those being more perpetuated and, mm. and big in our lives. And sometimes it's that those things are so big and prominent in our lives that they result in mental health issues. Yeah. That's so good. So good. So going back to the loneliness thing that I mentioned earlier, um, what's yeah. your sense of kind of this cultural moment we're in where there's such a high level of loneliness? What are you seeing? You've done a lot of work in adolescence, the work with Servite today. Um, what are you seeing in the next generation and in people at large when it comes to loneliness and their relationships? You know, um, I think that, you know, as you, your question your first question was how can being emotionally healthy and aware make someone more resilient as a Christ follower? Um, I, I think that isol you know, our culture is shifting. It is becoming, I think, more difficult to be resilient because of the complexity of the world. Mm. And Good. so it's our job to be more resilient by simplifying it. And I think as Christians, that's a lot of what we do is we encourage each other. We encourage non-believers to simplify. I'm a simple man. I'm not a smart man. I just really don't know how in the world I got my degrees, but I did. But I keep it simple. And a lot of isolation and loneliness comes from complexity, comes Mm -hmm. from what you're afraid of or what you're imagining. It comes from not being willing to reach out. It comes from the dynamics where you get so much information and you get so much negative information that you become paralyzed. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And so if you're resilient, it's kind of funny because that, you know, if you're resilient emotionally, it, it's, it, it almost creates opportunity to not be isolated, to not be lonely. Mm. Because then you're pursuing things and you're not being beaten down by the enemy and you're not being beaten down by some of these vulnerabilities. You try again. One thing I've noticed, um, not just in our young ones and the, the young generation, but it's just it's adults, too, is I hear this thing where people say, I keep seeking people out. They don't seek me out. Huh. And I feel like everybody else has all these friends and wants to do things. Nobody wants to include me. Well, I've heard that so many times that I've begun to think that they're wrong. That they are actually the norm. And there's very few people who are being sought out all the time. And I think that as a, you know, in, in the Christian community, if we could be more inclusive. Yeah, that's good. That's we good. could help people you know, help create a community that isn't lonely. Cause I didn't see it. You know, it, it's not different in non-Christian or Christian communities. I, I, I can't wait for the day that I can say, Hey, you know what? The Christian community is so inclusive. And we totally don't make sure that people aren't lonely and don't feel rejected. And we seek them out and make them feel wanted. And, and I think sometimes we do a great job of that, but I, I would love, I can't wait for the day that that's just what we are. You know? We, we had, we launched our, our first service down in Eastvale this past week. And I, I taught on the difference between building community versus finding community. And, and I asked everyone in the audience, Hey, play with me a little bit here. Like when you hear yeah. finding community versus building, what do you, what do you hear? And people are like passivity, uh, for finding and like ready-made relationships versus building. And the reality is I think we have to build relationships. We have to build healthy relationships to get it. That's been my yeah. experience. I have to invest myself. It doesn't just happen naturally. Right. Right. And, re- yeah. and a resilient Christian is somebody who's like, man, this didn't work out. I'm going to try again. I'm going to uh, yes. keep going. That's, man, if you can get somebody who's struggling with mental health to just keep trying again, mm. they don't even notice when they're getting better. They, it, it looks the same almost every time. Mm. They keep trying and they feel like they failed. And in the background, I'm going, you didn't fail. You just didn't grow as much as you thought you were. You know, you know, it's just slower. The, the road is slower. But I don't say anything. And then all of a sudden, one day they go, oh, my gosh, I've just made so much progress. I didn't even realize it. And I've got friends. I've, you know, it's that persistence. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so good, man. Dude, it's awesome, man. Okay. So. I, I could just, there's so much there, but, um, yeah. anxiety, depression, I, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I know a little bit about it, but probably yeah. enough to be dangerous. Let me, let me bring us, can I bring us back to the first question real quick? I just yeah. want to finish three points. Yeah. yeah. Uh, please. I had four and I wrote them down. So I, I want to say them. No, please uh, do. <laughs> but I think so the first, you know, how can we be emotionally healthy and aware making, in making somebody, uh, making more resilient Christ followers? Uh, the first is kind of what I read, the first point. And then uh, I was reading a devotional and it brought up Matthew 5. Mm. And it was talking about loving your neighbor and your enemies the same in that debate, you know. And then Christ kind of turned it on his head and said, that, hey, no, we got to love our enemies, not just mm. our neighbors. And our neighbors are our enemies type of thing. And um, what I realized is that often mental health issues get in the way of a person being able to love themselves, which results in them not being able to function in the world in the way that God intended. 
Wow. And so the part of that first, yeah, love your enemies as yourself. But if you don't have that emotional um, health, you can't do that because mm. you don't love yourself correctly yet. If you don't value yourself, it's hard to value other people. Yeah. Man, that's good. And then uh, the third point is getting help individually and in our relationship clears the way for us to fulfill being the men and women that we want to be, that God wants us to be, and then being able to behave like that person that we've decided to be in Christ. And so in order to be a resilient Christ follower, you often have to get help. So that you can be that man. And so I think that's what I'm seeing a shift in is it's no longer you got to do it yourself with God. It's wait a second. God gave a whole bunch of people gifts Mm. to go along with the Bible and it's within the Bible to help each other in community. And, And so being emotionally healthy means asking for help. And when you can do that, you can be the man or woman you are meant to be. That's good. That you want to be. And then, um, the last little point on that was building mental health is about either using the gifts that God has given us to navigate through difficult and sometimes impossible states of being, feeling and feelings and relationships, or getting rid of unhealthy attitudes, behaviors, and beliefs that prevent us from being okay. We have to figure out what's working and what's not. Mm. Uh, and when we figure out that baseline of what's working and what's not, We know if we need to ask for more help or if we need to just dive into the word a little bit more and we know a little bit better where to go so that we can become resilient because we're becoming more okay. I love the the fact that you're acknowledging for someone to become mentally, emotionally healthy, it requires some trial and error. Like what's not, like you said, what's good, what's not good, what's working, what's not working. And it's almost like, you know, with, with, I'm learning this a lot with parenting right now is, is okay. This child I can say this, this one, I can't, this one take, can take that discipline. This one can't. And I'm learning by trial and error what's working for them. But the same thing goes for us in our mental health too. Yeah. It sounds like, which is such a like tangible way of making sense of that. I mean, we have to learn, you know, is there anything, is there any feedback of that, that we should be thinking of to grow? Is it journaling? Is it talking to a loved one? And say, give me some feedback on this. Is it seeing someone like yourself? How do we get that feedback? I think that you can ask people around you, but you know, that only goes so far. Yeah. Um, At the end of the day, it's really just asking yourself, is what I'm doing working? Mm. Right. You brought up parenting. You know, you're parenting your child. I can't tell you how many parents come into our center and come to my Monday night group and they go, oh, do you know how hard I've tried doing this thing? And this therapist told me and I read it in a book and I read it here. And then I went to church and my pastor told me to do it. And I just say, is it working? Well, no, but it should be. And I'm going, but it's not. And you know what? If you check yourself and make sure that like not doing it isn't going against God's word, then let's just drop it for now because it's not working. It's so so good. I, I, I think we usually realize when something's not working, but our mind goes, yeah, but it's supposed to work. Yeah. Instead of just doing the quick check, like, is me not doing this thing really going against God's word? And if it's not going against God's word, why am I hanging on to it so, so dearly? Amen. Amen. That's smart because it's like, hey, look, even it's, it, life isn't an equation. Right. You know, I think that's, that's, the, that's, that's a, what the Proverbs even point to is that life isn't, Here's some wisdom, but man, it doesn't always work out this way. So 
That's really good. Those are four strong points, dude. <laughs> like you should be interviewing people. <laughs> Love it. It's great. I appreciate um, it. So going into like anxiety and depression, which is on the rise and it's so high in people. Uh, what yeah. what what is anxiety? What is depression? I think of anxiety as kind of worry and fear a little bit. And you talked about yeah. fear already, but can you give people listening a sense of what is what are these two things? Yeah. Okay. So first, I want to delineate something because your your question was, uh, what is a working definition of anxiety and depression? Yeah. And I think what you're asking is, and I could be wrong. I want to check with you. I think what you're actually asking is, what is the definition of an anxiety disorder mm. and a depressive disorder? Yes. Because anxiety and depression are good, and I never help anybody um, not feel anxiety and depression. Anxiety is... I have stress, right? I have stress about something that's going to happen or may happen or stress about something that I don't know. And depression is I feel down. I'm not feeling great. I maybe feel lonely. I feel lost. I feel disappointment. And those feelings, um, I, I think we've got too caught up in trying to get rid of those feelings all the time because of our desire for instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And those feelings and experiencing those feelings are so important for becoming resilient anybody, let alone Christ followers. Wow. Right? God never told us we didn't get to feel bad here on earth. Mm -hmm. But we're on a mission as a society right now to rid ourselves of negative feelings. Now, what a disorder is... When I have a constant feeling of sadness, constant feeling of I'm not interested, when I can't do my normal activities, when my feeling down is so deep and so dire that it doesn't really make sense for the situations going on around me. When I feel so bad that it's getting in the way of my faith, it's getting in the way of my ability to work, it's getting in the way of my ability to be the husband that I want to be, to be the dad that I want to be. When I'm telling myself, okay, I need to do this, I need to do this, this is the day I do this, and I just can't my on my own get out of that rut, that's when it becomes a disorder. Okay? When I'm anxious because I'm going to speak on a podcast and my palms are sweating and I don't know if I'm going to say the right thing and I get heart palpitations. I don't have an anxiety disorder. I have an appropriate amount of anxiety because this is important. Mm, yeah. But when I feel anxious and it doesn't make sense that I feel anxious and I can't make it to work all the time and it's getting in the way of me being able to even show up to church and I can't speak in these really important moments that I need to speak because it's just relationship building, not speaking on a podcast. And when I'm afraid and I can't figure out why in the world am I afraid when my functioning goes away in many different areas of my life, mm. that's when it becomes a disorder. That's good. That's good. So when, when it overtakes the normal day life stuff, when it's not just appropriate, Consistently. Right. Consistently. If, it, if it's a one-off, it's not a disorder. Yeah, that's good. Now, now I, I want to say this because I want people to hear this. I don't believe that we should be seeking help only 
when it becomes a disorder. <laughs> Maybe we wouldn't have so many people with disorders if people would seek help earlier. And I love that we're really working hard right now in our culture to kind of um, get rid of the stigma of seeking out a therapist or seeking out, you know, professionals or masters yeah. yeah. or people, you know, having being, I love that it's not taboo anymore to say these words. Yeah. Amen. So it's like preventative is what we are. We're, yeah. it's like, and that's good. And I think as a church, we're beginning to understand that people need, um, it's not just, Hey, here's content, um, about scripture. It's integration. Here's content about the Bible, but integrated into good relationships, into what you're right. describing. And, uh, and I'm, I'm fully down with that, man. I, I think that's so good because of the prevention that it brings. Um, what, what in the, what are you seeing contribute to, uh, depression and anxiety when you see that functioning, um, not happen on a consistent basis, like you mentioned in general, what are some themes that can cause that? I know the Sigma research suggested, you know, there's some some research about, um, you know, the lack of quality relationships and maybe they don't value themselves going back to what you said earlier, uh, from, from Matthew five, uh, and not able to love others very well. But in general, what do you see in your work? Yeah. Um, it's a hard one because there's, you know, all of us have Googled that. Right. And so <laughs> we see it's the media, it's the technology, it's the changing culture. And it is, I, I don't want to minimize that. Um, You'll, you'll hear me talking about instant gratification often. <laughs> and um, I, I do believe that our pursuit of right now is responsible. And, and, and I shouldn't even say our pursuit. Our success mm. in getting almost everything right now, I think, has made it so that we live in a society that cannot slow down. Um, the other kind of thing that came to mind is judgment. Mm. I think that we are all on display more than ever. Mm. And even, even as Christians, man, we have a hard time not judging each other. Well, when we're consciously or subconsciously judging Everybody, yeah, what, kind of a hierarchy. what people don't understand is that you subconsciously now are assuming that you're constantly being judged. And actually, you probably are. Yeah. yeah. And then um, our inability, our, our refusal to be uncomfortable. We live in the most comfortable times that we've ever lived in. And I think that. We're constantly seeking comfort, right? We're constantly seeking things of the flesh rather than seeking contentment, purpose. And um, when I read the Bible, and I could be totally off on this, you would be way better at this than me. But I came to this conclusion a while ago, and I don't know if I'm right, so I'm glad we're talking. Um, I decided that joy isn't what we think it is Mm. in the Bible. I decided that there's got to be a mistranslation somewhere along the lines because God asks us to seek joy in him, Mm. even through terrible, terrible times. Mm. And I think that joy, maybe God actually means a contentment and peace, not that woohoo. I think sometimes it's woohoo. But I think we're always seeking the woohoo. 
And then um, I think the other reason that it's on the rise is more and more people don't, uh, they're not seeking meaningful purpose in their lives. Oh, man. Yeah. Yep. We're seeking money. We're seeking flesh things. Like I think relationships, you, maybe you disagree with this, but for me, relationships, good relationships are kind of an end in themselves. And yeah. it seems like today people use relationships to get the superficial yeah. things. It's yep. like, hey, can you do this for me? And so people just feel used all the time where yeah. instead of like, just go get a cup of coffee and that's it. That's the meaning. That's, yep. That seems to be gone now. I don't know. I love that. I agree one. with you 1,000%. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, it, you know, God made us to be relational people. He did. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our purpose that leads to joy, contentment, long-term gratification rather than short-term gratification, it, it comes from relationship and relationships take a long time to build and mm -hmm. windows and opportunities come from them, but they don't come tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. And so, and as, as you were thinking, as you were talking about that, another thought came to mind. Um, I, I think that we live in a world right now where we're trying to fix everything mm. without God, without relationship. We're just, we're trying to figure everything out. We want to understand everything. Mm. And it, it's funny because I often tell, when I do couples work, I often tell, the couples just tr stop trying to understand the other person. Stop trying to figure them out. That's getting in the way of you having a happy marriage. And um, when we try to fix things, we shove God out of the way sometimes. That's good. That's right? good. He gives us tools to fix things sometimes. But a lot of times when we need to fix everything, we're not letting the relational piece play out. We're not letting our relationship with God play out. We're not letting... It's so like you we lose mystery. We lose, um, yes. we, we lose like there's, yeah, we lose, we lose mystery. There's something we lose in yeah. that. I love yeah. that. It's like when you're, it's like, there's a friend of mine in my, in our life group who says that her goal as a mom, uh, her and her husband is to give their kids an old fashioned childhood. And they, yeah. they, they want to like, just it. offer just like this simple, like here's life. Like you said, you know, earlier. And I, I hear that like, Hey, just yeah. don't try to fix each other all the time. You know, you lose yeah. mystery. Go it's back to you did it because I did everything that I could to get my child back into the neighborhood I was raised in because I'm pretty, it is. And I was right. Like I knew that I could have that neighborhood where you knew people, you could yes. slow down. You like didn't just run into your house at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and I believe so much in community. I put a fire pit in the front of my house, not the back of my house. That's awesome. In the front of my house, because if you walk by, you're going to get caught by Brandon because he wants you to come in. And, <laughs> and, and That's I'm so gonna, rad. Gonna, That's why I like you, man. Like, hey, come hang out. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, you said a moment ago about, about uh, instant gratification, and yeah. that seems to be a theme already in this conversation. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Uh, like, can you just, it seems to be like something that you understand and see a lot. Can you just speak into that yeah, about I, this whole issue? I understand it because I'm terrible at it. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, instant gratification, it, it, I'll start as I start everything in mental health with addiction. In mm -hmm. addiction, 
Um, everybody says, well, why? Why do people become addicts? And they go, because it's the trauma and because of this. And that's all true to some extent. But really, the addictions grow because we want what we want and we want to feel good right now. Mm. And God designed the world in a way that feeling good right now doesn't usually happen. And when you seek it too um, fervently, bad things happen. Okay. And um, I mean, how many times does the Bible encourage us to slow down? Mm-hmm. Right, slow down. I think that's the Galatians 5, fruit of the spirit, self-control. Like slow down, self-control. Yeah. And, and then, um, you know, instant gratification is all about the flesh. Mm. It's not about um, pursuing purpose. It's not about um, doing things because it's right rather than because you're going to get paid back. Mm. And uh, it's but it's funny because if you want to be successful in business, for instance, you've got to do a whole bunch of things just because it's what you do and who you are. And then you end up becoming successful unless you're willing to totally like do things illegally and terribly and step on people. <laughs> right. So if you want to do it. In the healthy, right, godly way, you have to be patient and you just serve in your job and then you create purpose. Or if you're if you're working for somebody, you just work hard, even if you're not noticed and even if you're not getting the promotions, because that's what you do. That's who you are. Yep. And then eventually somebody notices and God takes care of it. Mm-hmm. But we live right now more than ever trying to feel good and fix everything now rather than being purpose driven Mm. the other part is we it's funny because i i hope you agree with me but there are too many people today thinking that they suffer Mm. right our suffering tolerance is like really low you know suffering today is oh my gosh i only have a flip phone (laughs) I don't have the latest and greatest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I I think that the instant gratification, uh, you know, are are not even realizing how bad a problem that is for mental health, for addiction, for relationships. I I think it comes from we are not willing to suffer. Mm. We're not willing to be uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. Uh, And that is... It's God's plan. I don't exactly know why, but for some reason, when you're willing to sacrifice, you're willing to do things for because it brings you closer to God, because it's the right thing to do over and over and over again without being acknowledged, without being um, paid back. Your life grows, man. Your purpose grows. It seems like God has wired sacrifice into the. This is like a little matrixy. You know what I mean? Like it's like he's wired in sacrifice into the way that the creation works. That if we don't yeah. actually engage in sacrifice, we lose out on what it means to be made in the image of God. Like it's it's yeah. part of humanity, you know, and we just don't want to embrace it. Yeah. So I I'm I love I'm a hundred percent down with that. You know, I actually get really inspired hearing that. I feel like you know, validate some of my efforts um in, in ministry of like trying to expand the kingdom and going, man, you know, um, I feel fulfilled in this, I feel joyful. It may not be the most worldly successful thing, but I feel like I'm doing something sacrificially and that seems like I'm actually, you know, living out my purpose, like you said. So that yeah. really f- feels you know, validating. We live in a um, post family world. That's something that we've been talking about as a church staff is yeah. the lack of family uh, today. And um, 
you know, you do a lot of work with adolescents and probably families. Can you speak into how, how the post family culture we live in today, uh, contribute to this? Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I love seeing that question. Um, I'm, I'm one of the few therapy therapist centers, therapy centers that, it, that encourages my therapist to work with families as a whole, right? Everybody comes in saying, Hey, fix my team. Mm. And I tell my therapist, okay, you're going to work with a teen. The teen's not going to want to keep coming. Then I want you working with the parents. And then the teen's going to want to come because they have more information on the parents. And then when you're working on creating parents who can model, even when they're getting beat up by the situations going on with their kids, when you can get parents to put God, then self, then marriage, then kids in their hierarchy, mm. You have more content families, less chaotic families, less mm. of the insanity that goes on in the families. And, and so, I mean, simply put, man, it, it starts with the parents because the parents have the coping strategies, hopefully, right? They, their brains developed enough so that they can walk alongside their kids. Mm. But when you take away that family dynamic, what you're left with is just people trying to figure it out on their own. Nobody's walking alongside each other. God is the ultimate father. That's why we say God, the father, he walks alongside us. He, he even, he could do everything for us. He doesn't even decide to do everything for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And then he puts us in this unique position to take care of some of his children model for them, love on them. I don't say love them because we all love our children for the most part, even people who are abused, love on them unconditionally, even when it's really, really difficult mm. and walk alongside them mm. and set boundaries for them, but put the relationship first. And so all of that can't take place with a child just raising him or herself. Yeah. Yep. It yep. takes place in that family concept. And so while parents want to fix their children of depression or anxiety, I say walk alongside them because I don't know how God's going to help this become a part of their story that uh, leads them closer to God or leads them to a place where they're successful. Stop trying to fix. Think about God's way of family, which is mm -hmm. walk alongside. Walk alongside them. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's especially really good for you know, adolescents who are kind of wanting to separate a little bit and have some separation, but they still need mom and dad to be mom and dad, to be coaches, to be, you know, you know, cheerleaders in their life. Um, I love that you work with both parents and adolescents. It's like, it's like, oh, what mom, what are you doing? Dad, what are you doing? Like, let's look at the whole system here. Yeah. First thing we ask when they come in is, Hey, uh, will you join the Monday night parenting group? Mm. If I'm going to work with your child and they mm. usually will, and they love it. And they get, you know, support all around from a bunch of other parents, but man, that, the, the family dynamic of treating mental health is so much more powerful than just trying to work with an individual. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Does that because the way I, the way I've read it in a book, a couple of family system books that I've read as a pastor is that like, even if the adolescent isn't necessarily cooperative all the time, if the mom and dad will get healthy too, it'll affect the whole system and the adolescent may all of a yeah. sudden start experiencing health yeah. as well. Is I, there, is I that would change that? that. I, I would tweak it a little bit. 
Yeah. If the parents can decide to get healthy in spite of their really difficult or struggling child, Good. then in the long run, they'll be more influential in that child's lives. And that's a, that's a parent's job. Become influential. It's not make sure your child's successful and has a relationship with God and is doing all the things that make you proud as a parent. It's actually just to provide resources, model, walk alongside, love unconditionally. And, and you only have so much influence as a parent, but you should be optimizing that influence. The rest is God and every all the other influences in their life. I love that. So influence, not just to get them do all the things that you think right. make a successful person. No. Influence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I tell parents, uh, don't assess your influence until they're about 30. Oh, dude. <laughs> that's a long haul, though. That's not the short term, right? Right. But that's what we're talking. That's the game. Yeah. It's helping people take a look at relationships and mental health and success in the long run. Yeah. Right. And so many parents want their kids to behave well right now, but you're just planting seeds. I mean, we see that illustrated throughout the Bible, planting seeds, time goes on, bad things happen. Then people become heroes and, and, and great things happen. And, but then when it comes to our kids, we get, we have so much love and we are so flawed that we need to see it right now. We need to make sure that they yeah. are good young women and men right yeah. now. It's almost like we protect our kids subtly from, obviously we don't want our kids to go through hard times and pain, but in doing so, it almost ingrains them of, I can't, like you said, I can't embrace any difficulty or discomfort. And, right. and we subtly reinforce, you know, pain is, pain is not going to be good for you. When I know that, uh, you know, some of the best trials I've gone through, the, wor the worst trials I've gone through have also been some of the most important moments in my life as well. Right. Yeah. I, Look, like we said earlier, there, there's a design that God clearly has for us here on this earth, and it involves discomfort, pain. Um, it involves coming closer to him organically rather than through a textbook yeah. and through other people's lectures. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. We don't always want to have to reinvent the wheel, and we want to provide opportunities for kids not to just figure it out all, all on their own, but we don't want to protect them from that wrestle. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So looking at, uh, anxiety, depression, whether that be, it's, you know, you know, um, kept people from normal functioning on a consistent basis, or it's just stuff that they're going through right now. Uh, what are some, uh, practical examples, uh, that people can do to manage depression and anxiety? Uh, and I even think about like, what are some practical examples to manage the gratification, uh, instant gratification kind of culture and yeah. the fear culture. Can you speak into some, some practicals yeah. into that? I'd say first is um, have a plan. And what that means with, with a lot of my anxious clients and depression clients, we come up with a plan for what their routine should look like. And I always wanted to include what I call the six pillars. I developed it for addiction work, but then I realized it totally works for depression, anxiety, parenting, and everything mental health. And the six pillars are, um, number one, spirituality. Number two, your relationships. Number three is your hobbies. Then your education and your um, career. Then your fitness, your health and your um, nutrition, okay? And then I'm missing one here. What am I missing? Did I say hobbies already? You did, yeah, it was the third one. I wrote it them down. the third one? Yeah. Okay, I'm missing one. 
Spirituality, mental relationships, health, health. hobbies, mental education, health. mental health. Okay. This one is mental health. Being and so, in these six pillars, you're putting time, effort, and energy in balance, not mm. equal, but you're finding what you're balanced for time, effort, and energy, right? And so, a lot of people will put time, effort, and energy into their career, for instance, and like almost nothing else, and then they'll do a little bit in the morning for their spirituality, but that's it. And it's finding that balance. Now, when I say have a plan, have a routine, you take a look at those six pillars and you ask yourself each day, am I putting time, effort, and energy into these things? Mm. Right? And is one overloaded? Is one completely void? Now, it's not going to fix your mental health issues, but it's going to give you almost like a baseline for knowing where you're actually at. Because if I'm making sure that I'm exercising and, and getting all the nutrition that I need, if I'm making sure that I'm pouring into the the word even when I don't want to. And that's the key. You are trying to find balance even when your brain is telling you you can't and there's no way that you can do it. That's why you make a plan when things are okay. Mm -hmm. And then you train yourself to follow through with the routine that includes balancing out these six pillars. Even when you feel like you're going through the motions. Good. Now, that's good. It doesn't, I want to be clear, it doesn't fix all mental health issues. But it gives baseline. you a baseline and it make, it's all tangible. It's all things that you can work on while somebody helps you uncover the uh, pieces of the mental health that you can't do on your own. Somebody I know in my life, um, she lost, uh, she went on a, a big diet, right? And she had gained some weight uh, over the last couple of years, like we all did yeah. during the pandemic. She wanted to deal with it. <laughs> And she did. And she commented, uh, told me that she feels amazing just losing the weight, right? Like mentally. And there's some, they're all connected. And that's, and I love it. It gives you yeah. a baseline. It gives you a baseline. I'm so glad you said that. They are literally all connected. When, when I can get people, and I have to tell them, look, we're not going to fix your depression or anxiety right now, but can you please get focused on something that you have power over? And that's the key is uh, figuring out what I have power over and what I don't. It's good. Right. Control what you can power, control. Yeah, exactly. I have power over elements of all six of those pillars. And if I get busy, and that's the other thing is get busy. I can't tell clients enough. Get busy, get busy, get busy. Even when you don't want to get busy, get busy. Um, I've even ha I've literally had people like when they get totally stuck in get busy jumping into their cold pool so that they kind of shock themselves. And, and I, I have people do some wild things sometimes just so that we can get moving. And um, you got to get busy and then you get busy building these six pillars, putting time, effort and energy into them. And it's not, again, it's not about fixing. It's about doing something that you have control over because so much of mental health issues we don't have control over. And that's where we get stuck. We get stuck trying to do the things that we don't have control over anyways, instead of focusing on what we do have control over. That's good. I think that one piece right there about what they control, what they can't control is so big for people today. Cause I think we get fixated on what we can't control and we start yes. trying to control it. And I, I know that with church planning right now, it's like, we cannot, yeah. we cannot control that. We cannot. And another one that's been helpful for me, kind of similar with um, our church plant is recognizing, okay, am I trying to hit a home run on this or right. am I just trying to make a base hit? And that's kind of like, keep moving, keep moving is yeah. sometimes I tell our team, Hey, these are great ideas, but this is like a home run idea. And we just need to hit, hit a base hit. And yeah. right when I, we kind of start going that's that so direction, good. you can see the stress leave people. Yeah. They go, I can do that. 
I can hit a base hit yep. here. I, I don't have to hit a home run on this event. And like little wins in life really do help people um, yeah. kind of get a baseline. As you're saying that, um, that is what meant, you know, overcoming mental health issues, issues is mm. it's little tiny steps. And, you know, in addiction, I told you, I refer to addiction work all the time. And in addiction, they tell you one step at a time, then maybe one day at a time. Wow. And it's just a little bit. Yeah. You don't, you're right. Trying to hit a home run every time is daunting. It makes you feel like a loser. It's never going to happen except maybe once in a lifetime. But you know what? Me putting uh, one foot in front of the other and for depression, that might mean that all I did today was pour a cup of coffee. Mm. I poured a cup of coffee and I looked at my Bible. I didn't even read it today. I looked at it. That's good. That might be a small step. Yeah, that's good. So speaking of the Bible, um, number one on there, I think is spirituality you mentioned. How can mm-hmm. people invite God into this? So when you are with families that are Christian and they are faith-based and they want to yeah. invite God into it, how do you how do you help build up the spirituality bucket? Yeah, okay. So um, when you take a look at the spirituality pillar, even if you're a non-believer, it's doing, it's putting the time, the effort, and the energy. Uh and it's kind of funny because when you say, how can we invite God into this area? It's funny because God's banging at our doors. I, we he's don't have to do much about it. Like, he's there. <laughs> we're not really inviting. We're recognizing. We're opening our eyes. We're saying, embracing. And, and so it's uh, through prayer, obviously. Right? I, I mean, even the smallest prayers lead to bigger prayers. And prayers are the communication with God that, that make us. You know, they, it helps us begin that contact. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, so doing prayer, right? And when I say doing, I don't know what I mean. It might mean going to Alpha. It might mean just like talking to somebody. It's just doing something. It might mean asking questions, right? Just doing something. Then prayer. Then seeking counsel. Um, and, and you might seek the wrong counsel. I've sought a lot of wrong counsel, but you know what? When you seek counsel and you get used to seeking counsel, you're um, facing some of those vulnerabilities that the enemy likes to take advantage of. And then the Bible. I mean, the Bible has so much information that it becomes daunting. And something I've learned recently, though, is when you let it continue to be daunting, um, you don't want to go back to it, or you do, and you just kind of space out. But when you do what we were talking about before, when you take it one little piece at a time, whoa, it starts to become manageable. It starts to become something that really builds our relationship. Um, And then asking for help. I, I... don't know what that means to somebody listening right now, but don't ever stop asking for help. And, and I like to remind people, just because you ask for help doesn't mean you have to take that person's help if you don't like the help they're giving you. But relentlessly pursue God by asking for help. Uh, it's that one thing 
is something I don't like to do a lot of when it comes to God, because I think that it uh, it makes me too vulnerable. It makes people realize that I am often really struggling with inviting God into these places sometimes. And I'll be honest, I have asked and been judged. Mm. But then I ask again, and I'm not judged. I'm usually not judged, and it usually goes well, but sometimes it goes poorly. And we've got to be willing for that. I love kind of going back to what you said earlier, maybe about the trial and error thing, where I think when we're asking for help, it's like, that's a great moment for people to tr- do trial and error of like, hey, is this, is this, is this working out for me? Uh, yeah. Are the people I'm asking the right people? Are there, is the help they're giving the correct help? I think that's a great feedback loop um, with, with asking for help. And I know that, yeah, asking for help is very vulnerable and it can bring up shame because we're, we're admitting, Hey, I can't do this alone. And, and I need, I need help in it, which is, which is, uh, yeah. which is, which, which is hard, especially for, for men, for me, I know that's going to be difficult. Well, you, well, you're a pastor and you're a man. <laughs> I'm a therapist and I'm a man. Yeah. We're like, so not supposed to be asking for help. Yeah, exactly. But you and I need to ask for more help probably than most. Yeah. I, over the church planning course, uh, with my, with my assessment, my assessors, uh, have me create this like sphere around me of like, you know, here's like, uh, accountability partner, prayer team, uh, people you go to for marriage things. And I, so you have to write this whole thing up, turn it into them. And then the coaches who oversee you check in and ask you about that. And I, I wish that ever, I hope that every senior pastor has that same I thing because after That's I created great. that, I can't even tell you what that did yeah. for me in so many ways. And I was like, I've been yeah. missing this. You know, I've had a life group, but I haven't had this, you know? Yeah. You just answered your, you just gave part of the answer for the first question you asked me today. You know, mm. how can being emotionally healthy and aware make someone more resilient? Um, well, when you do exercises like that, um, mm. you know, you are bringing a community together. You're making people feel good because they can pour into you and you're asking for help and, when you're emotionally healthy, you can become that for other people, right. but you can't become emotionally healthy unless you have that sphere of people that you're talking about. That's right. And now that they're like connected to like purpose, those people are, because right. I know what, what it's leading to. I, I almost can't, like sometimes they'll email me, how, how am I supposed to pray for you this week? How am I supposed to do this? And I'm like, dude, like, this is That's like right. a machine. This is awesome. Cool. <laughs> so, it's awesome. Um, any last thoughts on this topic, Brandon, before I wrap us up and, um, what you've shared has been so, so helpful and so good, but anything that's kind of stirring in you to share before we, we conclude? Yeah. Um, I, I think as a Christian community, we need to talk more about all of this, mm-hmm. um, and talk more with grace mm. and no judgment. Mm. And, um, I just, I guess... I hope you keep this conversation going with many people, not just professionals. Just the fact that you even invited me to talk about this is like, gives me chills. Awesome. How do, how do we talk about it without judgment? Is there, is there a way for us to hear people and hear each other without going in that place of assessment and judging? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we we can catch ourselves on judgment, um, but I'll give one tidbit that I have to remind myself of every day, and that's be quiet more than you talk. Mm-hmm. Just stop talking most of the time. Sit on your hands. That's the advice I get all yeah. the time. Yeah, I, I just I, I and I, I think that when we know something, we want to speak to that rather than letting it unfold 
bit more naturally when they, especially when this conversation is going on. It's good. It's really good. Well, in terms of um, scripture, I always end one of our uh, episodes with like a hopeful biblical conclusion. Yeah. And in Psalm right. 139, David, a uh, very famous Psalm, he says this, you have searched me and know me. You, uh, you know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. And that word familiar um, literally means that God knows the patterns of our life in Hebrew. He knows the, be, the, mm. the, the daily patterns of our life. He's so familiar. Yeah. And um, for anybody listening who's, you know, in a, in a maybe a darker place, I just want to I- I conclude and end that, that God knows he's with you. He's in this. Yeah. But do not just stay there in that knowledge. Move towards relationship. Move towards those six buckets that Brandon mentioned. And if anyone needs... Um, to follow up with this in a more personal way, Brandon, you have a counseling clinic. Um, what's yeah. the name of that? How can they reach out so to inspired, a person like you? Yeah, it's inspired resolutions counseling.com is the website. Great. And then um, we have a line that anybody can call at any time, and that's 714 243 5252. And even if you know, you're not ready for actual therapy. We've got groups. We have a few free groups. We talked about the parenting group that I run. We have a lot of ways for people to kind of touch their toe in and see if they want to move in the direction of asking for help. That's so important. We'll put all that information in our show notes as well. So, um, Brandon, I just want to conclude with just a prayer for you and for your ministry. If that'd be appropriate, that'd be good. Um, God, thank you so much for Brandon. And thank you for his ministry. Thank you for his counseling practice. Thank you for his family. And Jesus, we just want to pray right now that you, Holy Spirit, would use um, this podcast, this interview to help somebody uh, move towards those six pillars of health. I pray for anybody struggling with anxiety, depression, loneliness, that even through this podcast, they would sense your presence, that you are familiar with all of their ways, all of our ways. You know us. And God, would you help us be more resilient Christians? Would you help us to be people who are not just pursuing instant gratification. We're not functioning out of fear. We're not people who are moved around because we're afraid of discomfort. Help us, Lord, to be strong in you and strong in our relationships. Thank you for Brandon. Bless him. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.